This is Confession Radio powered by Dynamic Reverb. Dynamicreverb.com is where you're going to hear everything Confession Radio and Podcast Whisper. This week's guest, absolutely amazing. What a great, great bio this guy has. He comes from a broken home. He beat his mother's boyfriend up at the cast iron pan at 13. He was jailed at 18, bankrupted at 21, battled addictions, and gave his life to Christ in 2004, plus much, much more. Welcome to Confession Radio, Eric. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. No problem. So tell our listeners a little bit about your journey, because this is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the quick version, you know, grew up in that broken home and, and parents got divorced when I was in eighth grade and uh, or slightly, I guess, sixth grade, I guess. And then uh, my mom got together with a guy right after that who was very physically abusive. So I watched her get the snot kicked out of her all the time. And I remember like peeking through the bedroom window and seeing him hit her with a cordless phone when those were around, you know, and like, you know, it was just crazy. The cops would always come. My mom would never press charge. It was just the weirdest thing. And then they decided to move us to Montana in the middle of my eighth grade year. And which I love Montana. It's beautiful. We had five acres. They rented this house. The house had three bedrooms though. It was one for them. It was one for my little brother who they had together. Who's just a couple months old. And then my sister, and they said, Eric, you get to live in the garage. And they literally put this plastic tarp up halfway down the garage. And one half of the garage was my bedroom, quote unquote. And, um, I had a fireplace on that side that would keep me warmish until, you know, it went out in the middle of the night and, you know, Montana during the winter gets down to the negative degrees. And so, yeah, man, I just remember just being so cold out there at times and, you know, it was interesting, but yeah. And, and then at 13, they came arguing one time and it wasn't anything different than any other night. I was sitting there brushing my teeth and something in my heart as I'm brushing my teeth goes, man, you got to turn around. And so the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage where I was staying. And as I turn around the corner, I see him in this pantry area on top of my mom, just boom, boom, oh my boom, God. one shot after there. And I'm like, man, I got to get this guy off. And so I snuck up behind her or behind him and grabbed a cast iron pan, those heavy duty ones you take with you camping. And I just swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open. Oh and I remember as he turned around, because I didn't knock him out. He had drank so much. He was, you know, obviously uh, not feeling the pain quite yet, but he turned around and he was like, what the, and as he said that, I took another swing and split his forehead open. And I swung so hard that second time, I actually fell over. It somehow didn't knock him over or knock him out. But I remember him standing over me and he was starting to yell. My mom jumps up out of off the ground and hits him like six times in a row in the chin and blood splatting all on the wall behind him. It was just crazy, man. Cops show up, take him to jail for the night. And uh, didn't, of course, press charges. But I was actually kicked out of the house after that. So I had three months left to my freshman year of high school. And I just bounced around from friends' houses and couches and stuff for the next three months, man. And that Holy just crap. led me down this destructional path for probably the next 10 years. It was pretty wild, man. So your story today, what, why, why share it with everybody? Like, what are you hoping they, they gather from your story? You know, one big thing for me is I'm 41 now. I didn't share it till I was 39 years old. And I just, I hung onto the story forever. I was, I was shameful. I was embarrassed. You know, you know, I, I, why I wouldn't want to come out and say, Oh, I came from this crazy, awesome family. It just wasn't that way. So I was just embarrassed about it. But once I released it, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. But then I started to get good like feedback from people going, oh my gosh, I had a similar situation. And so what I truly believe in and what I try to tell people is like, your past does not define your future. You can change it at any moment. One second, one choice, you can change the world. And so if you can come out and you can share your story and it can impact or share or motivate somebody else, then get out there and do it. 
And I, I love that because I think a lot of people, I mean, I've, I've had a crazy childhood myself and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, a, I was on my own since I was 16, you know, I left yeah. and, you know, it was just, it just was a decision I made and I'm glad I did it, you know, cause yeah. there's a lot of things that happened, but what I think people can relate to with these stories is that they've had it and just like you, the shame. So why, why do you think, and, and I'm asking because you, you just you know, said that, why do you think it was so shameful to talk about up till now? I think it was just embarrassing for me is to, to come out and say, you know, I had a lot of friends who had awesome childhoods, you know, my, my yeah. best friend, Dave, like I met him in first grade. We're still best friends today, you know, 36 years we've been, we've been friends and I'm like, his family is still together. And like, yeah. I love his family, you know? And so having friends that had these awesome childhoods and then me coming from this family that was like broken home, like I didn't want to really come out and share that. And, and, you know, that led me down this path of uh, addictions and 18 being arrested for having drug paraphernalia. And at 21, I was $20,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. You know, I had to uh, battle through addictions of alcohol and drugs and then got rocked in 2004 and, and, uh, you know, been sober since. God, there's so much I want to talk about here. So, (laughs) so generationally speaking, I guess I'm asking, did your mother ever leave that guy or did she wind up staying with him in the end anyway, after you'd left? You know, she stayed with him for a couple more years and then she got together with another guy who was abusive. And then she's bounced. Yeah, totally. (laughs) She's bounced around for, you know, a couple uh, different relationships and and my dad has too. And so my wife comes from the same broken family sort of orientation as well. And it's interesting, like our direct parents, there's multiple divorces between the moms and dads, but our grandparents were like the greatest people ever. They right. stayed together forever. They had amazing, you know, relationships. They raised amazing kids, at least until they got married, right? But like, sure. they were like the the rock in our lives for my wife and I both growing up was our grandparents were amazing. And unfortunately, our kids won't have that, but we will provide that for our grandkids. And it's so interesting you say that because, again, generationally, your grandparents were together for, you know, as many years as they've been together, everything. I'm yeah. sure they had their problems and, you know, sure. it, it wasn't as accepted then to talk about those issues, you know, with your grandparents. And then why do you think your mother had was so different from coming from that rock of a family that you had and with your grandparents? And now your mother yeah. is this broken person who continuously attracts these abusers. Yeah, I think it's it's a weird dynamic for sure. And, yeah. and I don't understand, you know, the even my aunts and my uncles that are my, my on my mom's side, like they've all gone through divorces. And it's just a strange thing, like even on my dad's side, right? I mean, good yeah. people, right? They just couldn't make a commitment and stick with it, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know why that is. I don't, I don't understand, like, if they had childhood drama that caused them that I don't know about or something like that that caused them to go that route, I'm not sure. But I just know that, like, for me, you know, when I said I do to my wife, like that's the deal. That's like we're not ever going to be divorced. And, you know, yeah, we've had ups and downs. We've had hard years. We have great years, you know, but we've been married for uh, 16 and a half years now and and just continuing to stay strong, man. That's that's amazing. So addiction, let's talk about this. So you turn yeah. to drugs, alcohol to yeah. help, I, I assume, numb the pain. Is that a good assumption? Yeah, I think it wasn't that idea. Like it when I was doing it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm numbing the pain. I just was doing it because I think when I, when I got to the out of my house after my freshman year, I went back to live with my dad out in Tri-Cities, Washington. He <laughs> rented a house for us and he uh, literally uh, would put 20 bucks in a cup. And that was my lunch money for the week. And then he would go stay with his girlfriend. And so I would see my dad maybe a couple times a month in my sophomore wow. through senior year. And he would, you know, put fr- hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the house and make sure there was food for me. But essentially I didn't have any guidance 
all through high school. So I started hanging out with guys and like, Hey, you want to go smoke some pot? Sure. Hey, you want to do some hash? Sure. You know, Hey, you want to drop some acid? Yeah. You know, like it just led down this crazy path of like, I didn't have anybody saying, Hey, you shouldn't do that. Right. I mean, I had the teachers, but it was like, you know, in the dare program and things like that, but yeah. Oh God. I remember right? that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just, I, I didn't have anybody that was, you know, speaking life into me. And so that led me down that, that path of like, Hey, that's okay. You know, and even when I got arrested, I got arrested for drug paraphernalia and I was on probation for a year. So I couldn't smoke pot at any point because I could drug test me. But yeah. what I did in that year was I jumped over to, to really drinking heavily over that year. Mm. And so that led replaced, me down. To, you replaced alcohol with drugs or uh, drugs exactly. with alcohol rather. Yeah. Uh, yep. I think what, what was the, what was the dog's name in the day? Was it Scuff McGruff or something like that? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was McGruff. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you went to alcohol now and yeah, and, I guess like it's just so weird. I have I I mean I was also addicted to drugs, cocaine and, and ecstasy were my my vices, but okay. I could never get into alcohol. Like some people mm. just really dive into it. And yeah. I always wondered like what is it about alcohol that people just love so much? I guess it's the feeling maybe or yeah, I think it it was a feeling, but it was also the environment that I was in, right? True. So like I um I in high school, hung around with guys that we were partying. So whether it was drinking or it was with drugs, didn't matter. But my dream was always to be in the music business. And mm-hmm. after high school, I left the Tri-Cities area and I had $100 in my pocket and I packed up my Honda Accord. I moved to Seattle. And so between ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times, living with houses, living on floors, couches, whatever I could get up to Seattle. And it took me a year and a half to get up there. Uh, I mean, once I was there before I got a job with Universal Records. And I literally like got no pay for six months. I just showed up every day as the mailroom guy. And then they said, okay, cool. Well, you're the mailroom guy. So you get to go to all these concerts. I was going two to three concerts a week. Nice. had open tabs. So I was living this rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. So I was hanging out backstage. You know, there's lots of alcohol. There's lots of drugs back there. And it was a, it was a great year, man. There was this two-year span where I probably went to about 175 concerts. And it was like you know, the amazingest time in my life during that time. Right. You know? And, and so it was the environment that led me that way. Right. I wasn't, I, I didn't necessarily love the taste of beer. Um, uh, right. It was like hard alcohol mixed with, you know, Red Bull vodkas. Right. Like that was my kind of drink. Right. You know? And, uh, but it was just the environment that I was in. And I think that led me down further that path, you know? That's interesting. So you got a, jo- a job with Universal Records. That's pretty awesome. A hundred dollars in your pocket. How did you make that span for what you said a year? Um, yeah, so couch I to couch and all that couch stuff. to couch and yeah. I literally ate peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I, I would give it now. <laughs> no, you know, I did take some time off from eating it, but I'll eat it now every once in a while. But yeah, it's, I, I remember like there was one house that I could stay at for a week and it was this, they had this little tiny sunroom and there was eight people living in this massive house. And I had just this little six by six room and it opened up onto their roof and I would put my peanut butter jelly on the roof and a loaf of bread that I bought from the store. And that was what I would eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner, man. And, and, uh, Crazy. so I wouldn't have to go into the fridge, man. And so, yeah, it was just a wild time, man. I mean, but it sounds good. And, you know, it's it's so funny because like kids these days will never experience that, you know, like totally. my story is very similar years. I, I left when I was 16. I was couch surfing, graduated yeah. high school and then just was traveling all over the country. I, I wound up getting a job with the hospitality industry and oh, nice. they just sent me to every hotel in the country. So it was great. So I got to travel a lot. But 
the yeah. kids these days just won't understand that that benefit of of going through stuff like this because everything is uh, parents are soft they are soft yep. my two brothers have it so fucking easy and it makes me nuts because i'm yeah. like you don't even understand the shit i had to go through when i was younger and you're right. complaining because you don't have money for weed like get away from me you know <laughs> like totally <laughs> you're, you're living off peanut butter and jelly for an entire year and you yeah. know i'm traveling all over the world and they're mad because they don't have money for weed it's just it's just it blows my mind Right. So after yeah. Universal, take us what happened after that. Yeah, I, it was during the Napster days when I was working at Universal. Oh, so this is like two thousand three, two thousand four ish. You know, uh, four ish, and I was uh, getting paid uh, like for my physical job. So after I was there for six months, they started paying me. Like, okay, we're gonna start paying you. So I started tracking <laughs> sales and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And uh, so I was working at Starbucks at night. I was a star, like a, a shift manager, nice. and. I'd get off work. I'd go to the store, grab a six pack of beer, go to Hollywood video and rent a VHS movie, Jesus. right? And go pass out in my ghetto apartment. I lived right across the street from where uh, Jimi Hendrix was buried up in nice. Renton, Washington, man. And I mean, it was a really ghetto apartment. And uh, one night while I was working, this girl came in, beautiful girl at Starbucks. She said, hey, we got this cool church event. It's for college age people. Would you be interested in going? I had no friends. I was depressed you know, nothing. I was like, heck yeah, this is a beautiful girl asking me out to, you know, go to this thing for sure. You know, yeah. so I go to this thing, but I ended up knowing all these people at this church event from like the other side of the state where I grew up. Like, Hey man, I haven't wow. seen you in 10 years. It was like this weird sort of like seed being planted at that time. Yeah. And about a month later, it's Easter 2004. I was managing a band. We went out and played the night before Easter, totally partied it up. I woke up on Easter morning surrounded by probably 15 buddies. I woke up early. And in that moment for myself, I felt God say, man, you're done. You're quit. You need to quit. You need to get your life back on track. And I was probably 24 at the time. And I, so I wake up and I'm like, all right, God, I, I'm going to give this to you. I, I gave my life to Christ right there in my buddy's basement. I just said, God, take me whatever you need me to do. And I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything right there in that moment. I haven't turned back. Um, I called that girl up that uh, had invited me to that church event. And I said, Hey, you know, thanks for inviting me to that church event. I hope you have a great Easter. I got a voicemail. Uh, maybe I'll see the store. And about a month later, we we're dating. And now we've been married for 16 plus years, man. That's awesome. So let's talk about the religion part. And this is, I yeah. know it's, it's, it's like, you know, I'm not religious by any means. I went sure. to Catholic school for four years. I was the altar boy. I wanted to be a priest when I grew up and boy, did okay. that change. I, my my sure. life certainly did not go that route. <laughs> right. So, what options did you consider and reject at that moment? If you can kind of just go back to the moment where you said you felt like God was in your life at that moment. It was yeah. like, hey, I'm giving this to you. So what options did you consider and reject at that moment? Um, I didn't. I, I, I literally said, I, I, in my heart, I felt God say, man, you need to quit getting on this track of going on a path of destruction because you're not doing anything with your life. You right. need to fix this and you need to get back onto, you know, yeah, hang out with friends and love them where they're at. But like for you personally, you need to get off the 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 drugs and alcohol and get out of that environment. And so what I did was I called my buddies and I was like, hey guys, for me personally, I got to take a break. I got to take a break from partying. I got to take a break from going out to the clubs and, and going to shows for a bit. I got to get myself sober and in a right spot mentally so that I can, you know, hang out with you guys again. And we're still friends to this day. They're like, hey man, you do what you got to do if we're here, if we need you. And for me, that was the option. That was the only option I had. I didn't put anything else on the table. I just said, boom, I'm going to make this happen. And so what I did was I just started like putting my, my head like into books. I was reading like crazy. Like, right. how do I get myself mentally straight? How do I draw closer to God? How do I, you know, pray? I started like hanging around with people who are pastors and like, how, how do I get through this? How do I get through the shame and stuff like that? And even like, 
my past at that time was still kind of like, well, I'm still embarrassed in my past. I hadn't shared my story really with that many people, you know? So that's, that was how I ended up like, I think getting a strong foundation was just soaking myself in the books and talking with people that are living the life that I wanted to live. And that was a sober life. It wasn't necessarily just like going to church life. It was just a sober life. And so that's what I did. And so do you feel like that has helped you kind of grow into who you are today? I do. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I, and my wife and I, we, we're, or believers in Christ. And, and right. here's the thing is Christians themselves. I'll say this, you know, coming from a non-Christian guy to a Christian guy, yeah. uh, like, I mean, just in, in general myself, right. Christians are probably some of the most judgiest people I've ever met. Sure. And, well. and, and I wouldn't, I never want to be that person. So it's not my job to judge anybody. I don't care what your sexual preference is, political preferences, whatever. That's not my job. My job is just to love you where you're at. And if you have questions, great. But if not, I'm not. It's not my job to judge you, man. I'm just going to love you where you're at. Yeah. And and I think that, that see, that's a new way of thinking because obviously we know coming, going back to, you know, our Eric's, we're around the same age and, and me being in, in uh, Catholic school and things, it was, it was always like that too. You know, it's just, yeah. everything was, you push, push, push and yep. door to door and, you know, have you accepted <laughs> Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior totally. and all that. And it's just, it's taking me back. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. I, I just, you know, I just chose a different, uh, it, it, there's no religion for me. You know, I've turned sure. to Buddhism a lot and I'm okay. not a Buddhist by any means, but I do practice a lot of the practices that they preach. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, it's it's more and, and same thing. It it was sort of religion that helped me get out of that funk. Um, you yep. know, just the enlightenment, awareness, breathing techniques, things like that. Just learning how to deal with the thoughts that come in my head and how I react to them and the situations that happen in my life. Yeah. Um, and I and and to this day, I still do the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I work a full time job. I do this on the side, trying to do the thing that everybody wants to do, and that's work yeah. for themselves, right? You know, sure. so. It's just, it's so interesting to hear other people talk about their religion because that's something that hardly ever comes up in interviews because as you said earlier, you know, you're ashamed of your story, but religion is also like the number two thing that people don't want to talk about because they're like, oh my God, what if I get judged? And I think it's great. I think it's awesome that you found this and you're a religious person today. Do you have any kids now? I do. Yep. My kids are 11 and eight. Actually, today's my son's birthday, so let's see. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, uh, well, happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you for spending it with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm an early riser, so I get about 4 a.m. six days a week, man. So, oh, uh, Lord, no. Uh, uh, those hours yeah, don't so. exist to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I work a full-time job, too. So, yeah. And then running the two podcasts for myself and, and things like that, man, I, I got to figure out that time. So, yeah, that those morning hours, man, they're super important for me. So let's talk about your podcast. Tell me about yeah. them. So I have two uh, top rated MMA and I've just released episode 229 this last nice. week, which is awesome. And it actually started in 2012 as an apparel company. My wife came up with the name, Hey, let's, you know, top rated MMA. And we just wanted a t-shirt, a company. It was during the tap out era, you know, yeah. like, so we, we launched this God. thing in 2012 and, you know, it, we thought, Oh, we're going to be the next millionaires. And it just like, we over bought a tons of inventory, didn't know what we were doing. And we made a lot of mistakes. And in 2015, I put it up on Craigslist. I said, who wants to buy this thing? And this guy literally called me and offered me a few grand for the name and all this stuff. And in that call, I was like, nope, I'm not done. And I went home and I rethought about it, restructured. 2017, we launched the Top Rate MMA podcast. And here we are, we're considered the number one MMA podcast out here in the Northwest now. And 
2018, I launched the other show. It originally started as the Bearded Biz Show, but now it's called the Eric Allen Show. Uh, we're just over 100 episodes on there and have been blessed to speak with guys like Ed Milet and Sean Whalen and Brad Lee and Douglas Coolian and Jim the Rookie Morris. And, you know, I, so two shows, one MMA talks with all MMA fighters. I don't really talk about the current MMA events, but I like to highlight the stories of MMA fighters, the amateurs, the pros globally. And then the other show is really focused on entrepreneurs, world changers and success minded people. So let's shift gears a little bit here and talk yep. about the podcasting realm, because um, mm-hmm. I have two shows as well, Confession Radio and, and Podcast Whisper, and yep. I can actually simulcast this on Podcast Whisper because I just did a mini series that won't be launched uh, for another couple of days about how to launch a podcast from A to Z. So yep. let's talk about your journey. Where did it start with the podcasting? Like, what? Where did the idea come from? I think I, the, the idea came from, I just wanted to ask fighters why they want to get into a cage to get punched in the face. That literally was the one question I wanted to ask. Like, why would you ever want to do that? And what and was the response? So much, I need to know that. <laughs> man, it's crazy. I've heard everything from, I grew up wrestling and I did judo, karate, and I just transitioned MMA to guys who were like, I have a felony and I can't get a real job, but I can go fight somebody and get food on my table. That's crazy. And, oh my God. You know, so I love hearing the stories. And so I like to say, hey, Top Brain May, it's about real fighters and real stories. And I love to ask the question, like, where did they grow up with childhood like? Because I want them to make this connection with like, these are real dudes that whether they had good or bad life, like these are the guys that are doing it now, what they want and they're passionate about it. And, you know, and it also transitioned to the, you know, entrepreneur side. We also get punched in the face all the time, but hopefully not physically, but we get all the no's rejections oh. and all that. Right. Yep. And so oh, that's yeah. why I tied these two shows together. That's so amazing. So, and they just get paid to beat the shit out of each other, essentially, is what. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, I mean, except I for mean, am- amateurs go, don't get paid at all. Really? So they they're just in there to get the build a record. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Now, the second <laughs> show, the Eric Allen show, tell yeah. me a little bit about that and, and where that idea came from. So in 2018, I came across a guy named Ed Milet online. I was like, who is this guy? And I just became obsessed. I started watching all of his shows. I was connected with him, like going, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing what he's saying, what he's talking about. And then in 2018, he issued this challenge on Instagram. It was called the Max Out Challenge. You had to submit a one-minute story via Instagram to him of what you're passionate about, what drives you to be successful. And then you had to submit it through your stories. So I did that. And about two months later, he announced me as the Max Out challenge winner. Uh, it was me and one other guy and we won that together and they've never done anything else like that before. But I won this call with Ed, like direct phone call, zoom call with Ed for, it was a 20 minute call, supposed to be 20, we ended up going 30, but I was able to record that and then release that as episode 12 of this show. But you know, that's where it started was Ed was kind of the motivation of the Bearded Biz show that I started because I wanted to talk with entrepreneurs. And so that's where it started. And yeah, man, it's it's been on fire since. And, I, and I've been blessed to speak with just some amazing people, man. That's awesome. So you're speaking with entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. They're very interesting breeds, aren't they? They're very interesting yeah. people. Everybody's what? different. Yeah, but absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone's got crazy stories, man. Tell me a little bit about what, what have you taken from your interviews uh, with these entrepreneurs? Like, what can you take to apply to your life? Oh, man. It, it, one, it's, it's commitment, and it's dedication and discipline. Like, you have to, if you want to be, whatever it is that you're going for, you know, like, you have to have those real, those three things. You know, you have to stay committed to it. Um, you know, I've been, I've been waking up at 4am for six days a week for probably 10 years. And so I work on my podcast. I do all the editing. I do all the marketing, everything myself in the morning. And I started nine to five, but what I had to do is I had to figure out the time management side of things. And that's what they've all said. Like, Hey, if you want to get successful in your life, whatever that is, whatever your version of success is, you have to fight for it, whatever the time is. And so, you know, for me, it's early morning. 
and I have a, a specific morning routine that I do and that helps me get into the, the mode and, and that's how we go, man. Yeah. That's so cool. I always say that too. It's, it's, well, it, it's commitment and consistency and yes. also, you know, it's just your, your eight hour days are now 16 hour days. And I was talking to a friend yesterday prior to this interview and we, that's, he's a, a YouTuber who does the same thing kind of you do, except he actually makes, he sustains a living off of it, but he oh, nice. works six days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. And yep. you know, that is, that's motivation. That is commitment right there. Cause you know, like it, it, the day in the life of, of me is, you know, after this, I go to work and then I'm exhausted, but I have two more interviews tonight to do after this. And you're just wow. like, you get home and you're just like, oh man, do I, you know, you start thinking and then your your <laughs> ego steps in and is like, no, you can't do this. So, you know, everything yeah. is ego driven to me and it, it just, you got to learn how to silence that sometimes and understand yeah. that your ego is not always there to help. It's, it's, your, your defense is saying, oh, you're, you're running low, you need to recharge. But at the same time, if you push through, I feel like you could just make a, a huge difference. And, and then it's just that one more interview, just that one more time, almost like an MMA fighter, like, oh, just, just stand up one more time and yep. I could possibly win this, you know? So that's kind of yep. how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, I'm, I've, I've never looked at numbers of my shows. I've yes. never, you know, we ranked 133 on the Apple podcast for Entrepreneur in January of this year for my Eric Allen show, which was awesome. But I've never really looked at the downloads numbers. I, yeah, I, yeah, I check it every once in a while, but I've, it's not like I'm getting 10,000 downloads a week, you know. Uh, for me, I'm doing what I love. And right. I love to, like, I'm fascinated with people's stories. And I know at one point, this thing will take me full time. But I'm just going to keep fighting until then. And I've got some awesome things coming up this year that are just uh, really exciting and I think will help me in that path. And I, you, you hit on a really good topic too. Numbers. I, I think people get discouraged when they look at, you know, oh, I've only had 15, 16, 20 downloads. And, sure. and I try to explain to them, I mean, that'll grow over time. Yep. And if, if something's not working, you have to be able to receive that criticism and, mm -hmm. and look at your show, look at your podcast, look at how you're doing things, you know, and, and kind of, I mean, Confession Radio started as a little five minute vignette in a, in a show called Get Unleashed. Um, I had since sold the show just like you did. Um, nice. I had since sold the show and then it grew into this, its own entity. But it has changed names. It has changed formats. It has, you know, I mean, if you and I and I leave everything up from from episode one. We're three hundred episodes in, um, nice. and I leave everything. You can go all the way back to the very first episode of Confession Radio as it, as it was born into its own entity. And I, the reason I do that though is because I want the listeners to kind of see where we were and where yeah. we're going. You know, yeah. and. That's what most people don't understand. It's a labor of love. It truly is. And you're a one-man band probably for the first couple of years that you're doing this until you start growing. But yeah. my problem, my downfall was that I gave up several different times. And you can mm -hmm. see that. Like, you know, I started out where it was just me. And then I had a co-host. And then I handed it off to the public that they were reading confessions. And I would edit them and publish them. And then it turned into interviewing. And now this is where we're at today. So about the fourth go-around with this. And but it just every time I do it, though, it just grows and grows. And it's such a well-oiled machine that even when I'm not doing it, it's still, you know, it's kind of timeless. So there's, there's, you know, not a, it's very evergreen. Yeah. I like to say that I had to be a quitter to get where I'm at. And, you know, people are like, well, what do you mean? Well, I had to quit being lazy. I had to quit being thinking, you know, that I didn't deserve success, didn't deserve the, the hot wife. I had to quit thinking that, you know, money was a bad thing. I had to quit quitting things because I would like start all these businesses and go, I'm going to be a millionaire. And then I'd quit Even when, as soon as yeah. it got tough. And this is the one thing that I fought for for 10 years now almost. And we're just going to keep, keep rocking this thing, man. Not going to give up on it. 
That's a great analogy. I really like that. I, I had to quit things. And, and that's, that's my problem, too. I, I read somewhere on Facebook the other day. It was, it was so empowering, too. It's like if you're catching up on your show on Netflix and not working on your business, then this isn't the business for you. And I was yes. like, that just, wow. So talk to me about the challenges that you're facing with your podcasting these days. Oh man, I think it it comes down to just really figuring out the time. Yeah. Um, I started doing voiceover work earlier this year, so nice. I'm doing voiceover work consistently now on a weekly basis, and then also doing like product brand videos for mostly beard companies like me to do their beard oil uh, product, which is great. But you know, doing that on top of my podcast, and then you know, I have to really be disciplined at five o'clock p.m. It's family time. So, right. you know, I work eight to five and, you know, I'm up early to, to work on that. So I think the challenges that I have right now is I'm definitely in this growth phase. A growth phase. This year in 2021, my big word is growth and where I just launched my coaching courses on how to start, run and launch a podcast in 30 days. And so I, I took uh, 10 people and I brought them in for 10 days or excuse me, for 30 days, four one hour sessions. And we're just deep diving in. How do you launch this? Where do you host it? How do you do this? How do you promote it? And so we're going through that course right now. So that's a big thing I just launched. I'm going to be doing a mastermind later on this year out here in Coeur d'Alene. Super excited about that. Working with my buddy named Mike Young. He's the makeover master. And so just like, I think the challenges is just trying to figure out where do I put my priority right now? Because there's so many things in the, in like that are available to me right now. I've got a couple of huge events that I'm going to this year. So trying to like raise funds for that. And yeah, that's where I'm running into it. And I think monetization is always a challenge uh, for those beginner podcasters. Right. So I, I do have some sponsors on my show, but they're, you know, pop in, pop out. You know, I don't have like consistent like monetization. I have a few full-time sponsors, but they're more like clothing and stuff like that. Right. But um, monetization is probably the biggest challenge for, for me personally, uh, staying on a consistent basis. Yes, I agree. I've been doing this since 2009. And uh, when, <laughs> when I started podcasting, everything was a telephone line. And I started on a little platform called Blog Talk Radio. Right? And it's so funny because I think about that now. And my co-host back then, um, Liz Stone, her and I, we, we've been friends for 20 years. And we still talk about it to this day. Like, remember when I told you you need to up your quality? I'm like, oh, quality doesn't matter. It's the show content that everybody wants to hear. And yeah. man, I tell you, when I got my first microphone and the clarity from a telephone line <laughs> to a microphone was just insane. And, and again, a thing that these kids will never experience these days because it's so easy now to podcast you know back in the day when we were growing up when people lost their jobs they went out and bought a boom box and would dj at the local bar to make money (laughs) now when people lose their jobs they're like i'm gonna buy a computer and a microphone and i'm gonna podcast so right yeah i mean i've i've upgraded my i I mean i did almost the first hundred episodes in a walk-in closet because i didn't have space in the house but i knew i wanted to podcast right and so you know my first mic was the snowball microphone i used that thing for probably you know, 60 shows. Then about a year and a half ago, my wife bought me this toner mic and, you know, had the stand here and things like that. And then I just upgraded to the Shure M7 earlier this year. So I've upgraded quite a few times. I've got studio lights and things like that. Now I have my own office. Uh-huh. I bought this $60 Logitech camera uh, that I then upgraded to a Canon T5i and thought, oh, this is great. But then I realized that I'm not very good with connecting that stuff. So I found out probably 30 episodes in that my side of the show because I released video was very distorted compared to my guest. It was just weird. I didn't know. So I actually went back to the original camera that I bought, which I'm using today. Uh, it's a Logitech and, and 
you know, it works I, fine. Yeah, yeah, it works fine. Yeah. What what most people don't understand though is is that you know we you could buy a five hundred dollar microphone, you could buy all this equipment, but your sound is only as good as what your your computer can kind of process. If that yes. makes sense. So yep. don't the, the the story is is don't do this until you're ready to grow and upgrade. It's yep. okay to work with your iPhone. It's okay to work with your phone for now. It's okay to start, you know, on a, a free hosting platform until you get to it because there's nothing worse than spending all this money on equipment that's just going to sit there and rot now because you just decided I'm not going to do this and you know, and that's what I try to explain to people is that I, I like you, I've been doing this since 2009 and it started yes. as a telephone. You know, I took yeah. my cell phone, <laughs> you know, I was interviewing guests and, and we were live back then. We didn't have this archiving, you know. So then when Blog Talk announced an archiving, I was like, this is crazy. People could listen to us after the show. This is so awesome. And then now, <laughs> you know, look, look where we're at today. But yeah. You know, it took me a while to get the equipment that I have. And, and just like you, yeah. you know, and I started with a little MacBook Air when I got my first computer, my first Audio-Technica microphone. And and it worked. It, it, it does. Yeah. It really works. And, you know, I, I would not go as far to say that people don't pay attention to the quality because definitely quality is important. Sure. But also they kind of understand too, like, oh, okay, they, they can tell like this is starting out. This is amateur. Now, if you're, you know, 600 episodes in and you still sound like you're distorted, you're eating the microphone, we got a problem. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so one more question for you. I know yeah. you wanted to do a hundred podcasts, uh, in a year, right? Yep. So yep. talk to me about that. Yeah. So last year I set the goal of doing, uh, being a guest on 50 podcasts. I only did 26. Uh, and this year I said, okay, this is the year of growth. That's my word. I'm growing this thing. And so I said, I'm going to do 100 guest podcast spots on top of releasing 100 episodes of my own shows. So I release each show, each of my shows weekly. I'll take two weeks off. So 50 episodes of each of those shows will come out this year. And then I want a guest on 100 uh, spots. And it's really just a personal goal of mine. I want to say, Hey, I accomplished this. And then the next year we'll do it again. But I, I want to spend as much time every single day, literally this year as a guest on a podcast, if I can, outside of recording my own shows and as many as I can. And so this, I think this is probably like number 35 or something like that, that I've, that I've been on. Um, and I think there's been 28 released so far this year. So, you know, I think, you know, I love talking with people. I love talking with other podcasters. I love seeing their shows. I love getting ideas like, Oh man, they did a really good job there. I got to make a tweak on my show like that. Right. And so I love being able to do that. And so I'm just thankful for this opportunity, but yeah, that's a, that's a huge goal of mine. I know it's a huge stretch goal, but I'm going to push hard and I'm going to try to hit that number, man. Well, you're already over than you were last year, so that's good news. I mean, so you yeah. already smashed last year's records. Um, yep. I think it's so cool and interesting because, uh, you know, before we started talking on the show, you said you love networking, connecting with people, and and that's yep. what podcasting is really all about. It's it's the networking, yep. connecting. You know, like totally. uh, like you said earlier about you know uh, being on the, that guy's show for you know for thirty minutes, forty five minutes. It's great. It's it's great that you did that because it helped you today. You really don't know who you're connecting with a lot of the times. You don't know what connections they have and. Yep. You know, I, I tend to keep these relationships going after the show. Um, you know, we, we bounce ideas off each other. Um, you know, I just helped a, a, a couple of guys the other day launch their podcast and they launched their first three episodes and I'm so excited about it. You oh, know? that's so, awesome. And yeah, yeah, you can see it in the dynamic reverb uh, Twitter. It's really cool. Like they just, 
you know, it, they, we had a two-hour brainstorming session, and they just finally pulled the triggers, like, I'm going to do this, and they did. And it sounds amazing, you know, it's, and they got Love some it. great interviews, and again, they have great connections to kind of launch them in the, in the potosphere. So I, I'm really excited to hear, you know, what's coming out of them, too. Yeah. Love it, man. I love seeing people improve. And, you know, the people that are going through my course right now, same thing. It's, it's cool to see, you know, the day one of where they're at to even just session two in, like they have improved and they've got so much stuff going on. Their brains are wrecking like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna do this. So yeah, it's, it's so awesome to see that other people grow. Yeah, it, it is because it's just, it generates that, that curiosity and that creativity. And, you know, with everything going on outside the world today, like I always tell people in this studio, this is our own world. This is where we're at. We don't worry about anything happening outside these walls right now. Yep. And then, you know, we'll focus on, and then you could use that as motivation to be like, listen, I don't want to work for 725 an hour. This is what I want to do. And this yep. is how I'm going to do it. So it's really cool. I'm so glad to have you on as a guest. Where can they find you and end your shows and all the amazing things that you're doing? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, I just got to say thank you for having me on the show. It's truly an honor to be here, man. Uh, EricAllenMedia.com is my website. I'm really active on Instagram. It's just Eric G. Allen. It's E-R-I-K. And uh, so I have all my channels from there, but you can connect out to my other podcasts. But yeah, EricAllenMedia.com, and I'm most active on Instagram. Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you for your time on your son's birthday, by the way. Tell him I said yeah. happy birthday. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you again. I appreciate this, man. No problem. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you so much, Eric, for your story. What a, an inspiring story that is. And you can find more of those dynamicreverb.com. You'll find Confession Radio, Podcast Whisperer there, all of our socials Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All the great stuff is there for you. And until next time, my friends, have a great one. 